Welcome, welcome everyone. I'm so excited about tonight's show and I hope you are too. Tonight we're actually going to be talking about religious conditioning and sex. And guess who we're having that conversation with? We're having it with Myra J. Stepter, also known as the Chief Smile Producer, also known as my sister bestie. Myra J. Stepter is a minister, certified empowerment, and master spirit life coach, strategist, speaker, mental health advocate, and author. She is passionate about helping others powerfully shine in their greatness by getting realigned spiritually and developing the winning mindset so they can gain clarity, build unstoppable confidence, and create a focused strategy to elevate their execution toward achieving their vision. Right. Thank you, Myra J. Stepter, for joining us today. Um, Please say hello to the people out there. Hello, people out there. Hey, people out there. (laughs) Hey, people out there. As you guys know, I said it in my intro, Myra J. Stepper is not only a minister, she is not only the chief smile producer, but she is also my, what we like to call it, my sister bestie. (sighs) I I will leave the personal feelings aside about her calling other people bestie because, you know, this is a professional podcast, right? (laughs) Wow. No, but really, I'm really excited to have her here today um, on a on a subject matter that is really, really important to me. And I know it's important to her. The subject matter is religious conditioning and sex. And just a little bit of backstory um, about why we are doing this and why um, this is actually our first podcast. The reason being, if it because if it wasn't for quote unquote religious conditioning, right, this podcast would not exist. It's something that I thought about for a really, really long time. However, I I, I just never was like, okay, I'm gonna do it. Um, but unfortunately, over the last couple of months, there was a situation that kind of put me into this position. Um, and that situation is not a bad situation. It was definitely a learning lesson, and it was a teaching lesson to know that everybody needs to be talking about this subject matter. And it is a subject matter that is completely stigmatized. So again, I wanted to have Myra here to talk about that one time I called her because I was supposed to have this radio, this internet radio show. And on this internet radio show, I was supposed to be talking about sexual wellness. They knew the platform. Um, What I did not realize at the time is that Uh, The term sexual wellness has many different definitions to many different people. So with that being said, when I presented my title for the uh, radio show, which was Talk to Me Sexy, it kind of got some some flat from the corporate office. Um, Why did it receive flat? Because guess what? It was a Christian network, a Christian radio network station. So they were like, "Uh uh-uh, absolutely ain't happening. No way. Um, The people that were advocating for me did kind of, they they worked it to the point where they were like, okay, well, maybe we can keep the show title, maybe. But you're going to need to add Christian health show or Christian health network onto the subtitle. And um, the individual, and I love her, to life, the individual that kind of presented me with the opportunity was like, you know, just let them have them, let them have a topic. Now, um, many of you all know, and many of you do not know, over the last several years, I have been an advocate for maternal mental health. And within that, 
I gave up so much of my identity that I was censoring everything. And I am 100% out of that thought process right now. And I felt like if I were to continue with that, then I wouldn't be true to myself and I wouldn't be true to you all because you all want to hear the information. You all want to hear the real information. So what did I do? I went ahead and you guys, honestly, LaShanta has a tendency to overreact to everything. Like everything. No. No. Hey, hey, Myra. No. (laughs) So, y'all, I have a tendency to overreact to everything. But this was one of those times I said, I'm going to call on my people. Because the one good thing about my people, especially Myra, like Myra going to call me on it. Myra going to be like, nah, you full of it. Like you, you know, she has like this poly positivity thing going on that honestly sometimes gets some nerve, but you know, (laughs) honestly, everything that she has told me has been truthful. It's been honest. And you need those for, you do need those friends that's going to tell you the truth and they're not going to sugarcoat because are they really your friends? If they just telling you what, what you want to hear? Nah, they not, Uh -uh. they are not. So I reached out to Myra. I was like, look, this is the situation. Help me. So I call Myra my friend coach. (laughs) My my friend. Because those lines get real blurry. Those lines get real blurry that sometimes I have to be like, okay, friend, you're coaching right now. You know, she's like, ah. I did it. But this was one of those times I really did need my friend and I needed that coach side of her. So I was like, Froach, I need you. Okay. And she kind of stepped in. So Myra, I just want you to tell the folks out there how you felt about the situation when I called you and let, let you know that, look, this is, these are my only options here. What should I do? Well, you know, Because I know that it's not even about the overreacting. I know that what you say um, a lot of times is just kind of raw and real, not in a bad way. You know, it's like, hey, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I have to say it the way that it has to be said so that we all are on the same doggone page and everybody's getting the full understanding of what they need. And so I'm thinking, well, you are Christian. So why would it not be appropriate for you to be on a Christian show saying what Christians need to hear? Because like, honestly, there would be no little Christians if big Christians didn't have sex. <laughs> no little Christians without the big Christians. Amen. Without the so big, do it. Deed, okay. The big Christians must do the deed. Okay. We, we Christians like doing the deed. There are a whole lot of little Christians running around here and it didn't happen by immaculate conception. Let's just be real. It did not happen by immaculate conception. And so, you know, my, my, my take on that is um, everybody needs this, right? Like we all need to be talking about this. And when we have the conversation about Christians, religion, and sex, let me tell you how many times I, you know, I've been shunned, you know, just setting up, you know, vendor tables and, you know, just trying to have a conversation. I'm like, hey, y'all, like for real, I used to have 
parties for ordained ministers. And I did a whole ladies retreat for a church. Like other churches and communities are having these, this conversation. Why are we not having this conversation? And that, well, that, this is why Christianity has a warped sense of morality. There's a warped morality clause in there that, that says you can't be, and it, well, let me back up. It goes back to kind of a patriarchal thing where women are supposed to be viewed as virginal. That's, that's where your worth is. That's where you're, you know, you're supposed to be the, you know, the little flowers and roses and, you know, the whole parading the bed cloth after the first night of sex, after the wedding and dowry and pay me for my daughter. It goes back to a lot of that. (laughs) Did you just say pay me for my daughter? What do you think a dowry was? Yeah. Yeah. I I was about to say that that's a whole different conversation in itself. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. That's a whole, whole patriarchal thing that happens, you know, where, men are allowed to go sow their wild oats and women are supposed to, you know, keep it until you're married and, you know, only keep your numbers low and all that kind of stuff. So there is a drilling that we've received over our entire existence about what it means to be sexual and be religious. And, and it's, it's not just Christianity. We're talking kind of from the, the standpoint of Christianity, but even in conversations that I've had with people of other religious faiths, there's always a morality clause in there that's like, hey, if you see yourself as a sexual being and you're not married, and even, well, there's there's two sides of it. If you see yourself as a sexual being and you're not married and you're having sex and you're not legally married, mm-hmm. then you're going to find a new way to bust hell wide open. <laughs> and then there's of if you are in a marriage you have sex but only and this is this is gonna look some folks are gonna be writing in about this (laughs) but but you're only supposed to have sex under the umbrella of having babies and pleasing a man absolutely absolutely the, the pleasure of sex for women should be n- null and void, you know, like it should we, be null and void we shouldn't be able to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Supposed to enjoy sex. You're not supposed to um, even, and, and I believe that most of it comes from the fact that there are just that, that whole history of patriarchy. It's still, you know, people talk about, racism and the 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 way that you know it's so systemic and it's passed down through generations and generations and generations it's the same thing with sexuality and religion Mm -hmm. it's been passed generations to generations and i say a lot of times when i talk to people about just religion in general because i have some friends that call me and they're like what does this bible verse mean and i'm like first of all you cannot read one verse and have no understanding of the chapter of right. verse, no right. understanding of uh, time period, no understanding of, you know, it's like there are a whole bunch of different levels and layers to those three words in that one verse. Like mm-hmm. you can't just, however, we see it on a regular basis that people take three words from a scripture 
And that's what it's supposed to mean. And so like you have, um, and I forgot, I meant to write down where it was in the Bible where Paul talks about, you know, if you, um, if you're single, it's better to get and have desires. It's better to get married than to burn. Okay. Oh. And have that desire. Right. And so a lot of people quote that. And I remember over the years hearing that in church where, you know, if you, if you want to have sex, you need to go get married. Well, marriage isn't just for the sake of sex, but that's kind of what you're drilling into our heads. Right. And then that conversation, I remember as a teenager, the conversation being had only about abstinence. Mm-hmm. It's abstinence or nothing else. Like there, there was no other conversation. There was no other option. It was just abstain from sex. Well, the problem with that is we've all been teenagers, right? Right. We've all had raging hormones. Uh-huh. We've all touched parts of our body and gone, what, 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 what was that what feeling? Was that? What was that? What, I think I might like that feeling. <laughs> that, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't not like it. Right. So I think, I think I you like know, mm-hmm. then you've been taught that your body, you know, that anything sexual about your body is defiling and anything sexual about your body is wrong and bad because we think about even with little kids when they're you know toddlers and they touch a body part we smack their hand don't touch that that's nasty oh my gosh that's that's really funny that um you mentioned that because I I was actually recently having a conversation just about that in general where a parent friend of mine um walked in on one of her kiddos, you know, and it was a, you know, get the hell up type ordeal, right? Like, what the hell are you doing type ordeal? But it's because I feel like it does pass on from generation to generation. Like, we're not sex positive about anything. So, you know, we're not sex positive. And so we teach our kids that, you know, no, you're not supposed to be touching yourself. It's nasty. You shouldn't be doing that. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying, and this is some of the listeners are probably going to be like, what? But I remember a boy telling me like when I was younger that his mama said he couldn't masturbate because he was going to go blind. Right? Right. <laughs> right. So, and you know, he came from a really religious family. So I wonder, did they do that as a, it was a scare tactic, right? Because, of course. oh my gosh, like, you know, you don't think about this stuff when you're younger. You're just like, what? <laughs> but when you get older, you're like, oh, wow. Like they was, they were using scare tactic methods to keep people from doing what they were doing. This, right. huh, this whole conversation is, is something else this is the thing when you think about it if if they if you know if you were a child and you were touching on your air you know even even the wording your private parts Mm -hmm. those are your parts so there's like a shame that's private you know Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. like 
that is associated with our genitalia, you know, it's your no-no spot. Right. How many have told their kids that that's your no-no spot? That's your no-no well, spot. If somebody touches you in your no-no spot, you know, instead right, of, you know, right. instead of using the proper terminology, like nobody should be touching right. your vagina. Nobody should be touching your penis. Nobody should be touching your breast. Um, and I when, remember, do you remember that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, kindergarten cop and the little boy is one of my um, favorites it might be a tumor it's not a tumor go ahead yeah (laughs) but the little boy in the class his dad was a gynecologist and he just kept saying boys have a penis and girls Girls have have a a vagina (laughs) (laughs) and everybody was like you know yeah and i remember I remember conversations back then where people were like that, you know, it was almost like it, they equated it to someone teaching this child in this movie to say the F word. Right. Right. And it's like, this and vagina are not dirty words, Mm -mm. you know, the other side of it is, you know, we, we talked about how the, the patriarchy is very intense and, and it's, it's a, it's a, a deeply ingrained thing in us. But when you think about like, no one is free to have conversations. We're not free to ask mm, those questions. Yeah. About most, their sexual health comes from school mm-hmm. at, at 10, 10 years old, fifth grade, you go into the health room, they run the video, you look at, you know, the anatomy things, and that's it. You, that's it. There are no more conversations. And usually parents are like, I'm going to let the right. school handle it. The school handle it. I don't have to have this conversation with them. Right. Like the school handle it. However, the school better not tell them too much mm-hmm. because if the school says too much, then they're going to want to have sex. So, and I'm thinking, oh. you know, I think back to when I was a teenager, you know, and I, I didn't really have the desire initially to have sex. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, a lot. I researched, I asked questions. My parents, you know, were like, girl, oh my goodness, you're going to drive us nuts with these questions. <laughs> but I had questions. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then as I got older, I had a friend whose mom was a hippie lady who had the big four foot um, martini glass with the um, condoms in it. And I'm like, what are these? You know, (laughs) (laughs) right? she had had all the colors and and all this stuff, you know? So I'm just like, is this candy? You know, she's like, girl, you don't know what condoms are. Now this was 1991. Mm -hmm. And at that particular time, AIDS was huge, yep. you know, and, and no one understood it. So everything was, don't even look at me because I'll catch AIDS from you. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it was all. And so we at that time, and it was a struggle to get my mother to allow me to go volunteer at the AIDS hospice because, mm-hmm. you know, scared, right. Mm-hmm. And so it, But we had this very real conversation with my friend's mom. She was like, sit down. Because obviously, you girls, if y'all don't know what these are, then we, you know, we got to talk about this. Right. And so she started. 
concepts and what they were used for and the purpose of it, of them and and how, and you know, she pulled out a, a, a dildo at the time and I'm like, what is that? Why you got a, a detached penis? Oh my goodness. <laughs> and she was, <laughs> listen, I was, I was green. Okay. Uh-huh. And so she, the condom on the detached penis and I'm just looking like deer in headlights and she said something at that time that stuck with me even now all these years later and it really um it's what kept me being safe over the years when it came to sex she said girls there's no dick worth dying for Mm. Mm. she said so if you have questions Ask me, ask your parents, but there's no dick worth dying for. I'm no. showing you this, you know, and she was like, she was showing us, you know, how to be safe. But she said, you know, then she also said the, the best thing to keep us safe was to have conversations and ask questions. Mm-hmm. So, and, and the, um, for the, the crazy thing about these conversations, right? Like we brought up the point of the conversations happening in school, but I know back in the day, I'm not really sure about now, even though I have school-aged kids because they don't really talk about sex ed too much. But back in the day, you know, sex ed was, um, it was safe sex equal abstinence, right? Whereas they weren't necessarily having that conversation about safer sex. Like, Mm -mm. you know, this, this is what this looks like. This is what can happen. Um, Ariana, y'all, my folks, y'all know my kids. I talk about them all the time. So Ariana, I remember she was in, I'd say third grade or whatever. And at that time we were going through body changes and self image stuff. So I bought her the caring and keeping of you book, um, Mm -hmm. which is, which is an American girl adult book. This, this book, uh, goes over everything. Like, if you have a little girl at home, I highly recommend this book. This book even teaches them how to put a tampon in. Okay. So, yes. So, Ariana is super excited about this book, and she takes the book to school. Okay. She takes the book to school. I received a phone call that she was going to be suspended because of the content of the book. And I remember I said she was second and third grade. And it was highly inappropriate for school. And um, because they actually classified the book as being pornographic material. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, these are illustrations of people trying to explain, like, this is what taking care of your body looks like. This is what, you know, extra body hair is. good. It was stuff like that. So the fact that they called me over this book, and not even six months later, they send a permission slip home saying, hey, we'd like to um, show them a sex ed video. I was like, okay, but you just wrote my daughter up. <laughs> you just wrote my daughter up like months ago. What is the deal with this? But, you know, it, it just, it's crazy because we don't have these conversations enough. And then when we do have them, we kind of shy away from um, like, the realness and, and the raw, like, you know, I think I remember I was telling you that I was having a conversation of whom, who are all religious people. Okay. It was a a group of us just having this conversation. And I was just so taken back by the content because it was so rich 
and we were not afraid to express what our thoughts were, what our feelings were um, during this conversation. But I know that is definitely not the norm. Like, I honestly feel like, you know. And people people don't even have those conversations with their girlfriends Mm -mm. because Mm -mm. of the shame of, you know, well, I can't really talk about, you know, my hoo-ha because again, that back to that languaging, you know, we were right. talking to each other toddlers, mm-hmm. my hoo-ha and my cookie and my, my woo-woo and, you know, and it's like they're penis and vaginas right. and you've got parts of the vagina and, right. you know, mm-hmm. that, so. like even when you and I connected about you doing a sexual wellness, you know, kind of girlfriend's talk, it stemmed from the fact that so many people are um, stuck in this this covered morality, this false morality, I guess is what I really should call it, this false morality that has them not really focused on or not really wanting people to know that they're sexual, even though they are. And then you look at other people out there and it's like they're two different sides. You have, you have the Christians, you have the religious people, not just Christians, but religious people mm-hmm. that um, have, have decided that when it comes to sex, they're going to be free. Mm-hmm. Point blank, period. Mm-hmm. They don't care what you have to say about it. They don't care if you quote all the scriptures in the history of life. They don't care if you quote, if you pull out whatever um, religious text or, or, or interpretation, they don't care. They're going to be free with their bodies and they're going to have sex. Mm-hmm. And then you have the people that have been under the mothers of the church and have Ooh. been under the patriarchy of the Ooh. church that, you know, have been under the hush, hush, keep, you know, keep your, your knees closed where you can put an aspirin between them kind of people. <laughs> and the funny thing growing up, I always noticed was usually the people that were the most repressed when it came to sexual conversations, the most repressed when it came to, um, well, this is what God said. And I, I have to do this very thing. And, and someone told me this was in the Bible. They can't tell you where, where it is in the Bible, but someone mm-hmm. told me those are the same folks that have usually all the diseases or have had all the children or have had the children very young or are in very unhappy relationships because they're not sexually fulfilled because right. they're living under some guys that they're not supposed to enjoy sex that sex is not that is sex is only this thing for reproduction and pleasure of a man mm-hmm. and that's it and if you even remotely talk about well Abstinence isn't the only way because everybody isn't abstaining. So let's have a conversation about being safe mm-hmm. and understand the fullness of your body as a sexual being. Um, I had a friend that her daughters were 13 and 15 when she began having sex conversations with them, uh, like full on graphic conversations. Mm-hmm. And was like, you know, there were people that, you know, were good friends of hers, best friends of hers that were like, you can't talk to your daughters about that. And da, 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 da. And she was like, well, my 13 year old, I already know. 
She's not going to be 18 having sex for the first time. She said, and what I will never allow is for my daughter to let some 15, 16 year old boy try to teach her about her body. Right. So she said, I would. With, let me, I'm going to ask you a question about what you just said, but I also want to take it back to, um, and we'll come back to this, but a few minutes ago, you mentioned that people are unfulfilled and they're living under this guise of, I have to do this. And the Bible says this, and, um, a, a situation came up to where one of my clients were, um, they enjoy having sex, like enjoy it. They're not married. They are single. Um, and they're fine with the act of sex, but the act of masturbation just does something to their psyche. Uh, there was a post not too long ago about, you know, using sex toys and things in the bedroom. And it, 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 it's like you're allowing the devil to enter your soul. Uh, and she, you know, she really feels like that's a thing. What are your thoughts about that? You know, programming is real and people act like they, that it's not, but it is programming is real. And this is the thing, because, you know, even on the side of what I do professionally as a mindset coach, when you think about it, everything in your life stems from what you believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if from a child you're taught that masturbation is dirty and foul and from the devil, then as you get older, you're never going to explore what happens to your body if, or what does this thing do, or what is, because this is the thing, at the end of the, not the end, the beginning of everything, this is your body. Mm -hmm. And if you're not allowed to touch your body, then what the heck? You know, and it's funny because we we hear the religious factor of, you know, this being a bad thing and you probably shouldn't do it. Whereas, you know, if you kind of follow psychology too, it, it's 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 like uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Religious say, no, absolutely not. But if you look at a lot of the uh, psychologists and things way in the past, Freud being one of them, right? Like, this is a normal thing. You know, you mentioned how toddlers kind of self-explore, right? Like the phallic right. phase is a normal thing. And we are not having those conversations with. And I, and I understand that, you know, there's also the respectability thing. Yeah. And, you know, where, you know, you don't want your kid let's just be real. You don't want your kid running around wanking on himself all day or uh, your daughter with her hands. Nah. Like. It's <laughs> just sitting down like having a bottle and a rub. You know, you don't want that. Right. I was about to say, I like, I'm, everybody knows I'm pretty sex positive, but yeah, no. Like. <laughs> but you, you know, you have to, so, but there is also a way to correct someone mm -hmm. without, without, yes without programming them to believe that there's something wrong with their body right you know conversation and and I think that's also you know when 
parenting is hard. You know, I'll, 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 I'll give folks that parenting, parent, no, I shouldn't say hard. Parenting requires a lot of movable parts. Mm-hmm. That's what people find hard are the movable parts. And that's whether it's parenting or just life. So with all the movable parts, there's the, okay, well, how do I allow my child to be body positive and not have them out here doing things that, you know, will not allow us to live in this society, right? you know, <laughs> because on, on the flip side of all of it, clothing is not natural for our bodies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be able to walk around naked and, and, and what, but we wear clothes because society deems we must wear clothes. I think, okay, I think it's a stupid rule, but okay. I think it's a stupid rule myself. I personally believe we should all just be free flowing and make it happen. Mm-hmm. But, but then, you know, there are other things like, you know, you got folks that are not so responsible. So, okay, I get it. We got to wear clothes. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, that you know, when you when you look at you know there there are so many people that you know no matter what religion you believe in or what religion you don't believe in there is an undercurrent of religious morality that touches absolutely every aspect of life mm-hmm. and because of that there are some things that are deemed moral and respectable that um, you have to be unprogrammed from in order to kind of walk and live in in freedom. So if you do desire to explore your body, explore different things sexually, there is that huge stigma that's placed on anybody that doesn't, you know, basically do the vanilla sex just for procreation and pleasure of a man. If you're, if you do anything outside of that, then um, well, hey, hold on. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> right. You right. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, and, and that's kind of the the thing that I've, I've I had this conversation actually recently where we were discussing something very similar to this. And the fact that if you look around society, when men do things that are deemed indiscretions, hmm. there is forgiven because boys will be boys mm-hmm. yeah yep if a woman does something not even remotely close to that that is considered an, a sexual indiscretion then you're not living up to the virginal keep yourself for your man mentality that has been passed down and that's that's honestly where a lot of the issues and the the, a lot of the stigma comes from just that old, you know, and even in religion, a lot of the religious morality comes from the patriarchy that was passed down. If you look at a lot of the things, even in the Bible, let, let's just be honest, you were nothing if you weren't attached to a man. Uh, yeah. 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 If you, if your husband, if you, if you became a widow, you were nothing. Mm-hmm divorced you were nothing he was fine he could go do what he wanted to go do mm-hmm. if his wife died he still was a full-fledged working individual he was a full-fledged working okay. individual and he was a bachelor again 
Like it, right. you know, it was okay for him to go out and find somebody else and, you know, go get four, four wives. Yeah. But you, if your husband died, someone in his family needed to take pity on you. Mm-hmm. You didn't own any property. If your husband owned all the land in the, in the world and he died, you had nothing. Wow. You know, you go back. So that's just a weird, you know, it's not sex, but it is sex. Because when you think about it, everything that happened back then and the, the way of thinking that happened, you know, back in biblical times and, and all of that, when you look at all of the major religions of the world, they still follow a lot of that mentality. Mm-hmm. And as you pass all of that down, then that also stems into, you know, well, women, when you're out and about, you have to be fully covered. You have to have dressed down to the floor. You don't make yourself look too enticing because again, now anything that happens to you becomes your fault because you were inviting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you and know that <laughs> that goes into rape culture, right? You know, right? Unfortunately, it happens with culture, right? You know, and you know, oh well, what were you doing? What were you wearing? Why did you wear that? Why did you think that was a good idea? And it's like, okay, so now we're victim blaming, right? You know, and it all to the patriarchal society and the way that everything that's why you're seeing such a huge shift right now everybody's talking about the divine everyone's talking about girl power everyone's talking about empowering women part of that is because women are saying you know what we we kind of want our sexuality back mm-hmm. we kind of want to not be considered harlots and whores just because we want to enjoy the natural physical feeling of sex. It doesn't mean that we want to be out there having sex with 20 people. It just means that we want to enjoy our bodies. Right. We were just And now that, you know, and, and I've run into over the years, especially very religious women that you know, you're in your 30s and 40s and have no idea what an orgasm is. You, you, see, you see it on TV, you see people, you hear people talking about it, but you don't have the experience of it because one, you've never been mentally allowed because of the programming to touch yourself in a way that would possibly bring you to experience that and to know how to direct someone to properly engage in sexual activity with you so that you are able to enjoy as much as they are. And so, you you know, and, and also because no one has had that conversation. Mm-hmm. There are not a lot of people out here that are having conversations that say, listen, forget what your, your male doctor said to you. This is your vagina. This is your vulva. This is your clitoris. Yes, I know your pastor said, don't, you know, it's your, it's, your, it's your lady part. It's your private part. I get that. But let's get real here. Let's have conversations where we're able to talk to our girls 
And, you know, I, I say in coaching a lot of times, I would prefer not to have to fix broken women because we broke them because as girls. Broke, oh my gosh, that's great. Um, and so first of all, let me just mention that huh, International Masturbation Month starts May 1st. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually um, on my coaching page going to be giving all the tips and, and tricks to actually achieve that orgasm that you said so many women which is the majority of women cannot achieve an orgasm. So I'm actually going to be um, giving some tips and some terminology about that. But, you know, when you say we have to have these conversations with, with our girls, right? You know, going back to your friend and how she's so open about having a conversation with her daughters, my question with that is, and, you know, some people might frown upon this question because they're, they're probably going to be like, why is it always a race thing, right? I, I would actually like to know um, what race she is because, you know, I feel like that kind of plays a part in it. Um, would you mind me asking what, what race is your friend? So this, and I know what you're going with that because... The lady who was having the conversation with me about there's no dick worth dying for, she was Caucasian. Mm -hmm. My friend, black woman from Louisiana. Okay, great, great. But this is the thing. For her, she's experienced a lot in her life personally. Mm -hmm. And she was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to allow my daughters have to refigure and try to understand and make sense of all of this we're going to have real conversations and real demonstrations and you know she went probably for she went further than I was comfortable with right. I was like oh my god I know. You, I know. You had that. You had and I asked this because um, you know what I found in the African-American culture is like let's be real everything surrounds our church whether it's kids not behaving the way they're supposed to behave, they need to be in somebody's church. You know, mental health, right. you need to pray them, you know, demons away. And then when you have these conversations about sex, it's that, that act is impure. You know, it has to happen when you're married. You know, those thoughts are impure. And, you know, speaking from my own personal experience, um, I am a mom of three that had kids out of wedlock. So when you grow up and you hear that, because that's what, you know, some of the churches fed me, then sometimes I don't want to go to church. I mean, I'm not saying that now because I'm an adult and I have the most amazing bishop. <laughs> and, you know, you and I have had conversations about my bishop because he, he just goes against the grain, okay? But, you know, and some of the older traditional churches you know you're kind of looked at like wait a minute you got three kids and you don't have a husband attached you know to those kids and it, it just kind of makes you feel a certain type of way because what you're you're telling me is I'm less than you are because you you have a husband right and you have kiddos but I mean who's to say you're not absolutely miserable in your marriage like I'm over here happy like, <laughs> you know, I'm having a really good time here, but because, you know, society says and the church says this is what this is supposed to look like, 
then I'm feeling some type of way. And I'm like, nah, well, maybe I'm, I'm just not even going to go to that church. And I've, I've left churches because of that feeling. And I- But you know, it goes back to, and this is something that I say very, very, very often when it comes to church and not just church, but just religion in general. Every single religion, every especially the major religions are founded on principles of love. Mm-hmm. They just are. No matter what people that have never studied those religions say, every single major religion is founded on principles of love. Love for God, love for people, love for self. Just They just are. The problem is that even though all of us are human and spiritual, we err on the side of humanity most times. That's the, that's the side of us that kicks in the hardest. Mm-hmm. And because of that, our human self doesn't understand loving people. Our human self has been fed judgment. And so that's where we reside. That's where we play and hang out is in judgment. And in all the ugly, terrible things, like right now, when we look at everything going on in the world, everything stems towards the bad stuff and the horror and the, you know, the, the just things that are not necessarily good. Mm-hmm. It's not about people. You know, we always want to get into these debates and arguments and, and all that. There are going to be people that, you know, are probably going to have issue with, you know, you talking about religion and sexuality because at the end of it, what you're saying is we need to, we need to love ourselves enough to educate ourselves about our bodies, to educate ourselves about how to function in these bodies, to be free enough to be sexual beings. Because if God didn't want you to be a sexual being, he wouldn't have given you sexual parts. Mm. <laughs> you know, because Christians believe if God can create a human life inside of a woman's stomach, I'm pretty sure God could have figured out a whole bunch of other ways for procreation to happen. We wouldn't need it sexual organs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I remember years ago hearing at a, it was a a religious conference and there, it was like the married couples ministry. And one of the ladies said something. It was one of the first times I'd ever heard this that, you know, it was a lady in her, uh, 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 like, I think it was a first lady and yeah, first lady and, and her husband was a pastor and they were up on the platform and we happened to be in that room. We were teenagers. So like, you know, junior, seniors in high school. So we were able to be in that room with the young adults. And it was the first time I heard someone in ministry on a platform say, listen, sex is wonderful. I really enjoy sex. And I was looking going, did she just say that? Dude, I ain't going to invite and her back whole, no more. <laughs> it was a whole bunch of snickers and he, 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 you know, because she said that. And she said, no, seriously, I enjoy sex. I enjoy sex with my husband. She was like, I enjoy sex. And, and she said at that time, she said, you know, a lot of people believe that you shouldn't enjoy sex if you're in church and that's just not true she said and let me tell you most of the people telling you you shouldn't enjoy sex if you're religious 
are the same people that were busting the door down, having sex, and then got saved and acted like sex wasn't a thing. Hmm. I was like, whoop! You know, and then her husband, you know, he was he was like, that's one of the also one of the first times I ever heard a pastor say, listen, we know you all are out here having sex. The conversation has to be said that listen, it's not really that sex is a sin, it's just that sex has consequences. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I've had those conversations with teenagers and with young adults and all of that, even when I used to mentor way back when. And I was like, look, you know, the Ten Commandments doesn't say thou shalt not have sex. Oh. That's not what it says. Mm-hmm. And none, of, none of the ten say that. You know, <laughs> none of them say it. But if you think about it, you know, anybody that has had sex and had a bad outcome, they can have a conversation with you and pull up a whole bunch of scriptures in the Bible that tell you that, oh, yeah, because sex is bad. And instead, it should be a conversation of, listen, if, if you are religious, your body is your temple. We can all agree on that. Your body is a temple. Your body should be cherished. And and that goes a lot of different ways. You know, eat right, take care of yourself, blah, 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 blah. So when it comes to sex, my advice always is treat your body, even when it comes to sex, as a temple. And you start rethinking. That doesn't mean there can't be sex Mm -hmm. in the temple. Mm crazy but doesn't mean that there can't be sex it just means that you have to think smart when it comes to sex so unfortunately we had a small technical difficulty so if you wouldn't mind just finishing up your last statement (laughs) i'd really (laughs) appreciate it I'm like, I don't know where it cut off. I was just really going for it. And then it was like, a message popped up. Like, wait, what? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I am, Myra, by the way. (laughs) Wait, you're not on anymore. (laughs) But essentially, I just, you know, what I was saying in essence is the fact that, you know, if in religion, there has to be the fullness of the conversation. There has to be the full communication, meaning, yes, we can talk about the abstinence and the waiting for the committed marriage and and all of that. You can have that conversation if that's what your particular religion believes. Fine. But you also have to have the conversation that you live in a world that has a number of options. And some of those options you might be interested in exploring. And so you have to go through the education process of learning, hey, is this something that I would possibly be okay with? What is this? What is that? Not necessarily that any of these things are quote unquote wrong. They're different. They're outside of the scope of what you've learned, but it doesn't mean that we should demean people or condemn folks for wanting to explore something else or wanting to understand something else. 
And I think that's where the problem comes. We're, we're so busy passing judgment in religion that we mm-hmm. forget to pass education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you mentioned that because my next question is if um, I'll say a teenager, teenager comes to you as their minister and says, Hey, Minister Stepter, what, what do your teenagers call you, by the way? Do they call I, don't any, I don't have any teenagers anymore. Well, nah, look, you know, some of them, they're just like Reverend Myra or Minister okay. Myra or, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm fairly informal when it comes well, to Well, Reverend Chief Smile Producer Myra. <laughs> yeah, all of that. <laughs> all that, all that. Um, I've been having thoughts of having sex I'm afraid to go to my mom about it because I've already talked to my mom and my mom is completely against it like I have to be 32 and married out of college with a house which is what my mama told me but I really do love my boyfriend and so we've been talking about taking it to the next step what what would be (laughs) What would be some of the information that you would give? First, I would say, yes, you will wait until you're 97 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You know, like, it's funny because, you know, 25-year-old Myra mentoring, you know, high schoolers and all that had a very different you know, idea of like, you know, it was still, I was still like, no, you don't, you really want to wait and make sure and do blah, blah, blah. Um, because I was, I think a little bit more um, following the program. Mm-hmm. And so Myra now though, I'm still going to be having the conversation of, you know, well, why do you feel? Because, you know, mm-hmm. forever, Reverend Myra, just like just like best friend Myra turns into Coach Myra, Reverend Myra turns into Coach Myra too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I I would need to know, you know, just because you love him, why do you feel that that love means sex? Ooh, good one. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. because we live in a a very different time where for some reason we have equated love to mean sex. And we Mm -hmm. pass that love around to literally everybody, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's like the meme I shared the other day about intimacy, not just being sex. It's so much more. Right. right? It's so much Mm -hmm. more. And, you know, and I think about me now. um, And I'm, I'm a fan of extended bouts of celibacy. I just am. Mm -hmm. And I remember years ago I was having one of my extended bouts of celibacy and a friend of mine used they her and her boyfriend used to joke all the time um are you ready to start dating are you saving it for Jesus still you know that was like that was a regular <laughs> joke with me and I was like I'm saving it for Jesus I'm no. still saving it for Jesus thank you <laughs> because I got to a point where I would meet people and I realized that I just didn't want to be that vulnerable with them. 
and I, mm. you know, and it and it had nothing to do. It really had nothing to do with religion. Mm-hmm. Everything to do with my personal self saying, you know, in your twenties, you did some wild stuff, and you connected with some folks, and it just really wasn't a good idea. And now, as you're getting older. It's a better idea to hold some people accountable for their interaction with you, to make mm. other people so that, you know, and it was like, be more responsible. And those are the kinds of things that I would like to share with the teenagers now and the young adults now, and even the people in their thirties and forties now, because a lot of times what happens is we've equated because of social media, regular media, movies, you know, television shows, we equate sex to mean love or Mm. equate sex to be a way to escape. And what most people don't understand is, especially for women, like you said, intimacy isn't always sex, but we've been taught that it was. And so I know for me personally, that's that's a very vulnerable moment for me. There are some things that I might enjoy or some 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 energy of myself that I might give. That's a that's a vulnerable exchange. And mm-hmm. only because I understand the energetic exchange of sex, you know, we've been let you know, let's let's turn it on the flip side. We've all all heard for years and years and years about the energetic exchange of sex in religion. You know, they always talk about the soul ties. It's a, it's a fancy way to say it. You have them soul ties. And if you have sex with him, he's, he's implanting this in you and blah, 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 blah. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. And, and it, you know, and, and I used to go, oh God, you know, but... <laughs> But then I, I, you know, as I was exploring more, you know, with different religions and, and learning even more about Christianity and learning more about spirituality, then it, I was like, oh, okay. So it's an energetic exchange that happens where we've been conditioned, especially as women, to connect sex to our emotional state and our and we, we pour so much of our energy and our, our intimate connection into sex that like, if I have sex with you, I love you forever, you oh. know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then are taught, because again, let's go back to the patriarchal society where for us, our most precious gift to give any man is our virginity. Ooh. Girl. <laughs> My most, pre- you know, and and that that's a whole like I'm. We may have to come back to the table. And yes, that because there's a whole. I have a whole feeling about all of that. Um, mm. how that has also trickled down through the through the time, and you know, it 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 really sticks with you know the the trading your wife syndrome that a lot of men have now also because you want a newer model because you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. virginal you know you want as close to the virginal as you can get right and so when you look at you know even for these young girls 
I would be having the conversation with them about how, hey, guess what? Sex does not equate to love. If you have to choose to have sex with someone, then that's a choice. It's a Mm -hmm. choice of an act. It's a choice of a physical act where you're saying, I would like to have that penis in my vagina. I want that person rubbing me and touching me and, and whatever else, right? That's like, let's, let's make it clear what that is. If you're saying, I love this person, you can love them without all of that. You can love you them sure without can. that. You sure can. And I think that's important, you know, to tell our girls too. Um, you, you can love folks without all this extra sex. And right. I'm just going to throw in, don't allow your partner to guilt trip you. Don't allow right. your partner you know, to pressure you into something that you're not ready for. I mean, because I, I remember years ago always saying, well, you know, I love you. And then, you know, girls would just be like, oh, you know, oh, and, oh guess my goodness. What? and it's still happening. Like, <laughs> guess what? It's still happening. And it's not j- now. This is the funny. This is the funny. Girls, you know, like your daughter's age and all that. They're getting more of that mentality of, um, excuse me, sir, what what are you doing for me? Or excuse me, mm-hmm. the way they 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 lean. Excuse me, sir, madam, what 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 exactly are are you doing for me in this situation? Why would I give you my body? Why would I spend this time with you? The people that are having the strongest problem have a three and a four and a five before their age. Mm-hmm. Teenagers mm-hmm. are sitting back going, I'm just trying to see like what 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 comes with me giving this to you. Yeah. It's the older women that have been so unfortunately conditioned for years to just give it up for nothing or because of this traded in for a newer newer model, they don't feel worthy. They don't feel enough. They don't feel okay. And then churches have told them, I just had this conversation on Sunday with someone where it's like, on one hand, I'm the daughter of the king. And on the other hand, I don't deserve good things. I don't deserve. Mm-hmm. I'm servant and I don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I'm isn't that so- such an oxymoron, right? I'm the daughter of a king, but I'm worthless. Right. You know? I mean, because that's, like, that's all what it equates to. I'm like, no, 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 no. There has to come a point in time where we have these conversations that say, guess what? You're not worthless. You're a temp- your body is a temple. Temples ain't worthless. Mm-mm. At all. Temples aren't worthless. You know, if if your body is a place to for, for God to reside. If you are a spiritual being that is shaped and molded after the image of God, not just your physical form, but your spirit that resides in is a mirrored image of the spirit of God. If that is the case for you, then there there is some worth that you have to start embracing. There are some understandings of the inner workings and the outer workings of the body that you've been blessed with that you have to understand. There are some stipulations that you have to place in your interactions with people that say, hey, you know what? 
I'm choosing to share in the blessing of my body with you. And mm. I'm choosing to share in the blessing of your body with me. I'm cho- mm-hmm. I'm cho- this is a choice that we're making. But I also have I also have the right to, to choose that I don't want the blessing of your body. I'm not saying nothing's wrong with your body. I just don't want you, the blessing of your body. Okay? Exactly. 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 And, and I, I think it's really important. And I don't want to offer you the blessing of my body. It don't have anything to do with virginity or not virginity. Right. This this is this is this is the, the one possession that nobody else can possess of mine. You might mm-hmm. enter into it. You might harm it. You might, but this is my body. Period. This is my body. You could say, right. you know. So it's like I think for for most of for most of us, when it comes to religion <laughs> and sexuality, we have to go back to the fact of understanding that at no point. Should you hold on to anything that makes you feel less than responsible to your relationship with God? Period. Mm. If it so makes that's you funny feel- you said that because I was actually going to ask you for one tip for the not so religious but religious people out there and a tip for the super religious people out there when it comes to what, what tips do you have for them? So one, they know that sexual wellness, sexual health, sex in general is okay. I think, I think for everybody, this this is for both sides. Mm -hmm. It's okay to know your body. Mm -hmm. It's okay to know your body. And the only way whether if you know a car, don't you have to kind of touch everything? Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Okay. You have to yeah. learn about your new car all the time. Yes. You know how the lights work? Mm-hmm. You got to turn on that car, huh? You know, that, <laughs> that's just what it is, you know? So you have got to get past the, and, and it's a process. It's, a, you know, and that may be something, um, you know, this is, this is for everybody. One side of it is you've got to get to know your body, how your body works, what your body likes and does not like, period. For the mental side of things, the mental blocks, you know, we are, between the two of us, huge fans of therapy and counseling. Huge fans. You can find um, people that are of your religious ilk, your religious bend, your religious whatever, um, that can have conversations with you that really can keep, if you are a person, because there are some people that they're, no matter what you say, if they're not talking to somebody that is Christian, that is Muslim, that is, you know, Hindu or Buddhist or whatever, no, can find people that will have these conversations with you and allow you um, still become more free 
and shift some of the the guilt because it, it goes back to these mindset pitfalls where you're going to be you're you're blaming yourself for stuff and you're guilty and you got shame anything that creates shame mm. that unchecked side of that like yeah i get the you know the thing of well eh, don't touch yourself all out in public <laughs> mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. i get that you know that that's kind of the the checked side of shame the unchecked side of shame is don't touch yourself ever because your body's nasty oh that's terrible yeah you know yeah and, and so, so there's, there's two sides to that. So I believe definitely for everyone, if it, if it brings you to a point of unchecked shame, then you've got to unpack that. That's when you go find a counselor that aligns with um, your belief system, but allows you to unpack the freedom within your belief system. Also for those that just have no, no belief system at all, Again, it doesn't, you know, the, the, the religious side of it doesn't matter um, as far as can you be free in your sexual self? Sure yeah. you can. Um, for, I believe for, for everyone, um, if you go back to your particular relationship with whatever it is that you believe in. Some people are not specifically religious, but they believe that there's a higher power and they are working on a relationship in spirituality versus in religion. Okay. Even still, we all have an intuition inside of us that many times some of the things that we've been taught as tradition religiously that are not necessarily biblical lessons that don't fall under the grace of God, a lot of times your intuition tells you something's not right about that. The problem is that many of us don't go to find additional Uh, education. Yeah. You're right. So listen to your, listen to your intuitive self and what you feel, you know, what, what you believe is or not believe because that's the problem. Your belief system is, is, stacked up with tradition and sometimes you can't break Mm -hmm. free of that so if you something is a little off a little wonky dig deeper dig deeper um because you might find that there are some freedoms that you do have to get a better understanding of yourself not just you know sex but just a better understanding of yourself that will come in handy when it comes to sex and will also come in handy to just helping you love yourself enough to know how you work and how you function. Oh, Myra J. Stafter. You know, it's a reason I asked you to do this podcast. <laughs> look, I didn't go, look, I didn't go all the way off the religious rails, you know, like, you know, I, I think sometimes that's what people do. They kind of go, oh yeah, because religion's bad. No, religion's not bad. And all the reasons that I believe some of these rules came to play are probably not bad. It's kind of like superstitions when they say, you know, step on a crack, break your mother's back. Well, we know it doesn't make sense now, but that doesn't mean that somebody, somebody's mother's back didn't break. And then they went, Oh, I just stepped stepped on on that crack. Right. Right. And so they associated that with that. Mm. Yeah. You know, so a lot of 
positions and super, you know, step under a ladder and have, you know, and, and bad luck will happen. Well, somebody probably walked on and don't sweep your feet and yeah, all that stuff. You know, a lot of those superstitions are just traditions, just like we've got different traditions in the church that we follow and do that, you know, you're kind of like, oh man, where did that come from? Who knows why everybody stands up and turns to the right at exactly 1215 in mm-hmm. your church? It was, you know, probably the, you know, the, the clock was on that right wall when they first founded the church and it was a cuckoo clock and people looked like, man, you interrupted <laughs> the pastor. And so everybody stands right. up and looks, uh, but there's no clock there oh anymore. And nobody, and people, you know, people are dead and gone that could have told you, Oh, we only did that because the right. cuckoo clock would go off at 15 in the middle of the sermon. And everybody was like, come right. on, man. Like it's long you know? behavior. And because, I mean, it's just been passed on. Well, yeah. well, they did this when my grandma was here. So we have to continue to do this. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And just, just what you just said, that learned yeah. behavior, the programming, the programming, the programming. And there has to come a point where you say, I've got to be able to have more conversations or more understanding that helps me unpack the programming. And the other thing I tell people, take the meat, leave the bones. Mm. You know, if, when you're, when you're digging in, take the meat, take the things that apply, take the things that, that, you know, are intuitively right for you get further understanding. You may have to go talk to your pastor or another pastor or some, you know, someone else in the, in your religious setting and say, Hey, listen, I want to know, I'm learning more about my body and how my body functions and what I like or don't like sexually. At the end of the day, I know God loves me and I, I love God. What I don't understand is how, the feelings that I have and the way that I'm thinking fits in with what I've been taught. And, and how can, can you help me unpack and fully understand this? Because when you start having the LGBT conversation, when you start having, you know, there are so many different levels to this religion and mm-hmm. sex thing that, that it, it's, it's hard. You know, I, I used to have that conversation a lot when people would say things like, well, yeah, God doesn't love the gays. God loves right. everybody. You're you, right. That's your it. personal problem. That's your problem. Mm-hmm. That's your problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because we used to sing the little song in 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 what in vacation Bible school, Jesus loves the little children, mm-hmm. all the little children of the world. Oh, yeah. Everybody. That you know, he's got the whole world in his hands. That's, That's right. everybody. That does not exclude. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That doesn't exclude. God does not say, I, I, you know, for those in the Christian realm, for God to love the couple of people that followed exactly what the laws were and didn't do the other. No, he, he loved the world. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that includes, as it started, I heard a little weird thing, but that includes whatever, you know, whatever kind of bend you have. It just goes back to, okay, now that I'm operating in this love and getting this better relationship with God, how do I function in the fullness of everything that God created within me? 
and ask those questions, unpack those things and have that, that conversation even with God about your relationship and how you need to move Okay, forward. so we're actually going to end right there because I feel like that's a good homework piece for my listeners. <laughs> you know, I think Lord, you can't even get off the podcast like, without like, homework. Right? Like, I, um, you, you know, I messaged you the other day and I was like, I'm really big on homework, right? Like when I work with um, my clients, but I feel like that's a really good homework piece. And I mean, you guys could choose to do it or, you know, don't, but I highly suggest that you really think about some of the things that Myra said during this podcast and, and really, you know, work on some things. So with that being said, Miss Marjay Stepter, Chief Smile Producer, AKA Sister Bestie, I want to thank you. (laughs) (laughs) This has been awesome. And yeah, we'll have to have, some of our other conversations another time because there's so many things to unpack when it comes to religion and sexuality. All right, girl. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.